With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Destination Debbie is proud to bring to you its Dynasty Tag Team Champions of the World, the McNutted Michael Crystal, the ATM Adam McFerrin, the 4D Chess Podcast. And of course, if you're not down with that, we've got two words for you. Welcome back in, everybody. Episode 13 of the 4D Chess Dynasty Podcast. Glad to have you here. Welcome back in. We appreciate you tuning in to us dummies again. As always, your host, Mike. You can find me on Twitter at IWillMichael. And rocking with me in his brand new crib. Big shout out to the big homie, ATM Adam. You can find him on Twitter at atm 4 d Chess, what's going on tonight, buddy? How you doing? How you feeling being in the new crib? Feels good, man. So much more room for activities in this thing. You know, it's got space. But as much as some things change, this will not. 40 chess every week, baby. Here we are. Another episode, 13. Lucky number 13 or unlucky in some people's mindset. For us, this is a big one. This is kind of one that I'm looking forward to doing, especially like a little more juiced up tonight, ready to record this one and talk with you because for us, especially, and a lot of people who listen to us who are a part of leagues that we do, rookie drafts are happening this weekend. That's right. Not after the NFL draft, before the NFL draft. I always set them up. We're going to do them one month before the NFL draft. So, it's nut cutting time starting Friday night. I'm excited to get it talking. So we're going to talk some of it and bring it to you. Our mindset on why this is just generally the thing that I prefer to do. Right. So, Adam, I know you got a lot of picks in some of these leagues and the ones uh, you got picks in. I don't have picks in the ones I have picks in. You don't have picks in. So how <laughs> pumped are you to, to actually, you know, put your convictions on the line, make some selections this weekend? Man, I'm I'm excited. There is rookie drafts, rookie draft season that we're in right now. Man, it's so much fun getting to plant your flag on some of these rookies. There's some 
there's some polarizing guys we want to get into here. I'm excited for this one, man. The juices are flowing. New crib, new episode. Let, let, let's break it in, man. I know there's going to be a lot of pushback from a lot of people because I've seen it before. Every time that it comes out, the old Twitter goes wild with, how could you do rookie drafts before the NFL drafts? You don't know landing spot or draft capital. Listen, I'm here. Maybe this is hot takey. Maybe this is me being an asshole. But if your process relies heavily on draft capital and landing spot, I think you're doing it wrong. I really do. I think that you should be a good enough talent evaluator. If you're going to go out there and make hot takes about players, if you're going to go out there and, you know, say that uh, player X is your guy and, you know, I can't wait to have all the shares of them in rookie drafts. All right. Time to put up or shut up, right? Like you don't know the final outcome. I would say for our process, for a lot of really smart people that we get, we could probably get about 60, 75% there on the players. And that draft capital landing spot just factors in that just that little bit. But hey, 75%, I'm good enough to pull the trigger on some of these guys. And one of the things that I wanted to point out and, and talk to the people about, the dynasty generates listening to this, because if you're listening to it now and you're rocking with the vibe about doing rookie drafts before the NFL draft, you're definitely a degenerate and you're the exact kind of people we want to talk to. So degenerates. One of the big things about doing a rookie draft before the NFL draft for me is the fact that you can get that little bit of edge over your league. So we had talked about in the past with lineup and best ball, right? There's a lot of people who prefer to do lineup because they're very good at setting lineups, predicting matchups, and that gives them an edge in the league. For us, for me especially, the thing that gives me an edge in the league, doing a rookie draft before the NFL, right? Because there are incredible values that you can gain. So we'll just flash back, Adam. I know I showed you one last year that I did where I got Trey Lance at the 107, 107, 108. And for a lot of people out there, also Mac Jones, right? The the trade had just gone down about this time for San Francisco moving up to three. Maybe they're taking Mac Jones. Maybe they're not. How could they do it? Mac Jones at the time in those pre-NFL rookie drafts was going in the early part of the second round. Second super round pick, man. Crazy. Talk about incredible values. Yes. While there will be some misses, you know, I'd take an Amon Ross St. Brown. It looks good now, but at the time for a while with him not getting the draft capital and the landing spot in Detroit, I think I'd taken him at 204 or 205, which at the time after the NFL draft was a reach. The only other miss that I really had last year in these pre-NFL rookie drafts, just outright ones, Kenny Gainwell. I took Kenny Gainwell at 203 in the league. Yikes. <laughs> not, not great, Bob. Not, not great. great, Bob, at all. Adam, is this going to be your first year in Dynasty where you're doing your actual rookie drafts in some of your leagues before the NFL draft? It is. And I love it personally. I wish that almost all – well, right now quite a few of them are this way. But I wish that I could honestly make all of them that way. I think it's – Go plant your flag. If you believe this prospect's really good, we, we've seen enough mocks to have ideas, right? Now, there's going to be some guys that go higher or lower than you expect in the NFL draft that will push some up and unfortunately kill some, right? But I love doing it before the landing spot. Be convicted enough to go get your person. If you, right now, there, there's some people, I think, 
because we don't have the landing spots and we don't have the draft capital that are going to be big values or or they're going to hurt you where you're going to take them. And I think especially there's some quarterbacks. I saw today, uh, Mike, there was a NFL mock draft. Chad Reuter had five quarterbacks in the first 15 picks. All right. Mike, if that happens, some of these quarterbacks are going to be steals in these type of formats and rookie drafts. Because right now, people don't want to touch Sam Howell. Yeah. If Sam Howell's a top t- top 15 pick, you're going to get him at a smash value right now. Now, if there are some people that don't like Sam Howell and he ends up falling out of the first round, maybe even late second round before he gets picked, you know, you, you could draft him too, too high. So I, I love it this way, though, man. I really do. We did a mock draft last night for the patrons. And... You tell the people out there, who did you end up getting at 112? 112, a super flex, tight end premium, rookie mock draft with our patrons, guys who I think are, are fairly tapped in and tuned in. Who did you end up taking at 112? You had the last pick in the first round. Who did you end up with? Going into it, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to take 112. I know I have that pick in a few leagues, so let's – Let's think about what I'm going to do there. If I'm going to get, you know, a guy like Dotson or if Pickens is going to fall to me, like who I'm going to get. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's say it was not a wide receiver. Isaiah Spiller fell all the way to 112. And, and I know this too, Mike. JB was doing a one quarterback draft, rookie draft. He went at 111. Like Isaiah Spiller is definitely someone we need to talk about right now because. He he's becoming one of the more polarizing prospects in this 22 class. I think right now at this moment, I think there's so many of them. We'll get into it in the later part of this episode where we'll talk about some of our prospects and the rookies and really hammer down on these guys. But that, that goes to show you that if you're doing the draft this weekend, there's a possibility you could get a guy like Isaiah Spiller. Of course, bad stuff could happen. He could be drafted in round five, correct? That could happen. Yeah, And at the 112, it doesn't look great. No. We have enough conviction on him to go ahead and take him at a reasonable spot. And what happens if Isaiah Spiller is drafted in round two? Or Isaiah Spiller goes at the early part of the third round to a good landing spot? I like, mean, uh, he, he's, he skyrockets. It's not close. He skyrockets. We don't really know. I, I, I have some conviction that I think he's going to get good draft capital. I've seen enough on film. I've seen enough him doing his athletic testing. But the opinions are so far wide-ranging across the map. People out there completely out of them. And all it takes is that one rookie draft where you're the guy who's going, man, I'm picking 112. I don't think anybody's going to be here that I'm really excited about that could, you know, if I'm picking 112, more than likely, if it's the case with me, I probably have traded for that pick, you know, done something. But there's also the case where I'm I'm coming off of winning a championship. I'm picking 112, and I get to take a guy like Isaiah Spiller in these pre-NFL rookie drafts before draft capital landing spot. People get to solidify, okay, Isaiah Spiller's good again. He went in round two. I can draft him again. If I'm coming off a championship season – I take Isaiah Spiller before the NFL draft, and then I sp- Isaiah Spiller goes to a good landing spot or goes in round two. That is an incredible value and an incredible leg up that the league just can't match. I won the championship last year. 
And now I add a guy who's going to end up in that third, fourth, at worst, fifth round startup range at the 112 where that shouldn't be possible. That is amazing. And because in that scenario, you're obviously a contender and you're getting a running back that has three down skill set with draft capital without having to use any assets to move up to go get him in that scenario, right? That's, that is how dynasties continue. You do something like that, that can really, really change everything about your team. Cause if I'm assuming you probably have a pretty loaded running back room in that scenario, but if you don't, he, he slides right into a flex spot or an RB two. And if you do now you have more of the really valuable running backs to, to trade. And, and ultimately that's what we really like to do when we have values is, is trade them. So that would be, I still think it's such a smash. We'll, we'll see what the, the draft capital becomes. And, but man, I, Isaiah Spiller in the late part of the first round in rookie drafts, man, that gets me hyped up. Oh yeah. It gets me very excited. There's so many players in this draft class too, that have that same kind of issue, right? You had mentioned Sam Howe. People are kind of all over the map on Sam Howe. Desmond Ritter. Another guy, you and I are not the biggest Desmond Ritter fans, but what happens if you have enough conviction to take your guy Desmond Ritter at a certain spot and a value, maybe 202. Let's just say it's the 202 you take Desmond Ritter. Right now, this weekend, Desmond Ritter goes in the top 15 picks in the first round. You just got a starting quarterback who got drafted by an NFL team in the top 15 picks, and you got him at the 202 in a Superflex League. That's the kind of crazy value that you can get. Yes, you can end up missing on guys. That does happen. But if you're good in your process, you're listening to the right people, you're doing your homework, paying attention, being a dynasty degenerate, living and breathing, you have a inevitable leg up over the competition. Some of our leagues that we're in, the draft has been posted for uh, months, months. I think I had set the date. The countdown timer had been going. It's been in the league pin messages since the league was created. And when I sent out a reminder, like, hey, just in case you guys have been asleep at the wheel, the draft this weekend, you had people freaking out. Holy cow, what? We're drafting already? The NFL draft hasn't even happened yet. Right, McNutt, don't you know the NFL draft's not till the end of April? No way. It's, it's the end of March. <laughs> what are you doing? These are the people inherently, like, when that information comes out, you're like, oh, man. You got to fish. These guys have been asleep at the wheel since the NFL season ended, not really paying attention, not doing their homework. And now this weekend, we go in where we have done nothing but talk about rookies since the NFL season has ended. We have done nothing but tap into Ray's prospect film grades, his breakdowns, his Patreon-only live streams. We have done nothing but scour the interwebs for all of the stuff. Watch Pro Days. Watch the Combine. Like we are so tapped in on NFL prospects. It's almost overload at this point. But this weekend is where that gets to pay off for us. It gets to pay off. So this is what I'm trying to convey to the audience. For those of you listening at home, try to get your drafts or the mindset. Be open to this because you can gain a massive edge over your league mates by just one simple thing. Just draft before the NFL draft. And if you're tapped in and it's tuned in, you're listening to us, you're listening to Ray, you're listening to all the other smart people out there in the space, it's going to make you money. (laughs) It's going to make you money because not everybody in your league 
it's hard to trust 11 other people who are going to be that tapped in. Now, one thing I do want to mention is because I've tried this with existing leagues before to try to get them to change. Not going to happen. More than likely not. <laughs> you are you got a snowball's chance in hell, as they say, of getting an existing league <clears throat> to convert over to this. I would say you, you have about as good a chance as Mike taking Traylon Burks at 101 as you do getting that that league to say, you know what, let, let's go ahead and change everything up and let's start drafting them before the NFL draft. Absolutely. So if this is something that you want to get into. One, you either need to kind of find some like-minded people, which are, you know, if they wanted to, to do that, you can, you can definitely find a group of like-minded people who think like you do and go, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it. I'm ready for it. Or two, if you're the type who doesn't mind commissioning leagues, just put it in the bylaws from the get-go. As you start inviting people to your league, here are the bylaws. This is not something we're voting on. This is not something that's up for debate. We're doing it. It's done. It's in. It's it's kind of the same concept as best ball, right? A lot of people are adverse yes. to change. They don't yes. like to do anything out of the norm. So if this is the kind of thing that you're interested in, just keep that in mind that if you're trying to promote an existing league to do it, your chances aren't very good of getting done. Like I've tried multiple times, and it always just ends in a, a fight, a war of words. People get their feelings hurt. So just some some advice to those of you listening at home. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful about trying to push that on people. I mean, really, you know, we're, we're talking the diligent side when we're talking right here. Get, getting ahead of your league mates, studying up on the rookies, talk, watching Ray's film breakdowns, Getting ahead of everybody as far as who are the, the rookies that we think we like as prospects. We like what they've done on the field. We like a lot of the stuff they've put at the combine or at their pro day. All that combined, getting ahead of your league mates and doing that on the digital side is such a big thing. And if you're if you're listening to this and you don't have any of your leagues that draft pre-NFL draft, if you're doing startups this this summer, this offseason, which I'm gonna assume if you're if you're tuning into this podcast every week you're going to be in some startups consider if you're the commissioner or if you're tapped in with the commissioner, someone you're, you're friends with, go ahead and try it. I'm telling you, if you're listening to this every week, if you're tuning into Ray every week, you're going to really like doing it pre NFL draft. You're going to be in heaven. One of the things that I wanted to touch on the last part that I think we'll talk about right here, we kind of got into some of the, why do it? Why? Well, it gives you an edge. Two, it's fun. It's fun as hell. And one of the things about it being fun is, Adam, you're going to get to experience this personally this weekend because these, these are your first. But one of my biggest enjoyments was we do the draft now. And then when the NFL draft comes, I already have a list of players that I've put conviction on, right, that I've I've selected for various reasons. So when the NFL draft happens, it's kind of like watching, you know, the Powerball Tickets, you know, the numbers drop like, oh, oh, we got one. Oh, we got one. Oh, oh, look at that. Look at that. I can't believe that guy went got a there. big hit. Big hit. It's, it's, uh, so when I took Mac Jones last year at the early part of the second round, I had conviction he's going to be a first round quarterback and probably in that top 15 range, somewhere in there. And I'm getting him at the 201, 202, right? In the, in that range. Mac Jones starts falling down the draft boards and I'm getting a little bit like, oh, okay, well, San Francisco passed on three. All right. Maybe, maybe Carolina. Nope. Not care. Maybe Denver. Nope. Not Denver. 
Oh, the Bears trade up. Maybe they want Mac Jones. Ah, Justin Fields, Fields. right? And the picks just keep coming, and I'm going, oh, look, New England at 15. Could this be it? Could this be what I thought all along, that New England's going to take Mac Jones? Fell right in Hoodie's lap. New England selects Mac Jones, and I just let out this, yes! Oh, look at that! Oh, I was right! Mac Jones at 202 to New England. Goes pick 15 in the NFL draft. I just secured a super flex rookie quarterback who's a top 15 NFL selection with an early rookie second round pick. How great is that? Another one, Trey Lance. I got him at 108. Trey Lance goes third in the NFL draft. And people are just losing their minds about like, oh my gosh, look at this guy's ceiling. And I'm going, I can't believe I got this guy at 107. This is amazing. Sam Fran was people getting crazy too. You also have those, you know, slight, you know, Amon Ra didn't go as high as I thought he was going to. He was a guy who I had a lot of in these pre-NFL rookie drafts. Kenny Gainwell, same thing. You know, we're getting to round six and Kenny Gainwell still hasn't gone off the board. And I'm going, whoops. <laughs> well, I don't feel so bad because I took Lance at seven. I took Mac at 202 or whatever it was. You know, I took Mac in the second round. It's like, okay, fine. The grand scheme, way ahead. Yeah, it's kind of uh, kind of that feeling with trading. Trading, you know, you had talked about it on trading. If you make a volume of trades, some of them inevitably are going to be losers when you look back on them. But if you hit big on your winners, or you're 70 percent ahead on your winners, winning trades offsets the losers, right? Yeah. <laughs> as long as they're not yeah. super detrimental. Like if I took Kenny Gainwell in the top five of my rookie draft. Oof. Bad, yikes. bad, yikes! Yeah. yeah, big yikes, big yikes. So that is something I'm looking forward to you getting to experience this weekend. Is drafting these players, and then you kind of get to sit on them a month and, and see some hype go up, and the NFL really start talking about some players, or you know, so and so slipping down the draft board. And then on draft night, you get to experience. You get to watch the Powerball live. You get to yeah. see the numbers drop. You get to see yeah. if you hit the the winning ones. Or the ones that you didn't win. So I, I almost is, forgot though, Mike. I almost forgot we uh we did a we <laughs> degenerate style dynasty degenerate style. We did the bomb squad rookie rookie draft. Yeah, <laughs> a minute ago, man. A minute ago, I got I got uh, Tyler Algier, I believe, at two oh seven. So probably now not currently. That was not, it's not looking great, but we'll see where he gets drafted. What what kind of draft capital he has? So. But yeah, I, I, I didn't. That, that was the first. Uh, the first. That was the first one pre NFL draft we did. Yeah, I didn't have any picks, so I didn't really get to experience that one. You didn't have very many picks either. I had the second the because yeah. because you know what, Mike? Everybody in the world says that a twenty-two second is just disgusting. Why would I ever want that pick? So I basically couldn't <laughs> trade it to anyone. It just it died on my contending <laughs> roster that didn't win. So <laughs> here, two oh seven. I almost forgot about that one, too, just because I didn't have any picks. But, yeah, we did that league with Ray, that rookie draft, and Brandon, some of the guys at Destination Debbie. We did that thing a month ago. Dude, it's been, it's been almost a month ago. Three, four weeks ago, for sure. It's been a while ago. <laughs> wow. I remember during that draft trying to trade then-retired Tom Brady for the 211, the 211 or the 212, and getting turned down. Woo! <laughs> That's so, the bullet sometime- on that one. Sometimes better lucky than good because wow, Tom Brady that that whole thing is nuts, man. But let, let, let's let's not get into that and the Bruce Arians stuff going on today. Let, let, let's stick with the rookies, man. You know, 
Ah, oh, damn, Bruce. Retiring. For those of you out there who aren't in the know, Bruce is gone. That's the way we're going to leave it at. I got some strong feelings on that. But because it's rookie draft for us coming up, I think it's a good time and a good transition. Let's talk about rookies, right? We haven't done a whole lot outside of just in general the class, but we haven't gotten into specifics about some of these players. So right. let's let's dive right into it, man. Let's start yeah. right let's start right at the top. And I'm just gonna pull up our patron ranks that we have, our super flex, tight end premium, rookie ranks, which we will be updating again later tonight. But let's look at them as is how we ranked them and let's just talk about them. We have Brees Hall, our consensus, one-on-one. First pick. Not knowing landing spot, not knowing draft capital, none of that. Brees Hall. What are your thoughts on Brees Hall? We'll just kind of rapid fire these off here as we go. And if we need more in-depth discussion about certain prospects, we'll do it. Yeah, I mean, Brees to me should be almost the consensus one-on-one. If you want to take Malik because you you, you really need that quarterback, I, I wouldn't fight you. But I think that Brees Hall, he, he he really differentiates himself from a lot of players in this class, man. And right now, it's funny because 22 had so much dirt and disgust on it. And now you got Brees Hall who's being but he he doesn't even have an NFL team, Mike. He's being talked about as a locked in top five RB in Dynasty. And there are there are people out there that are pushing him to three. There, there's some saying he's gonna pass JT. Like, yeah, this is a 22 class guy, Mike. I, I thought this class sucked. This class is supposed to be horrible. What happened? Well, yeah, <laughs> Brees, Brees is Brees is like to me a second round startup pick. Like that's going to be very consistent. It, it wouldn't shock me to see some people taking him after NFL draft and all that. Like back end of round one in startups, man. He he is he he's kind of different than the rest in this class, in my opinion. Even though he's an Iowa State guy, he's a Cyclone. I still like Brees Hall a lot. He's got the <laughs> size, he's got the speed, he's got the production profile, and yeah. I'm fairly confident he's getting the draft capital that we want. Right? He, is. he is. At worst, a day two guy, potentially maybe a round one NFL draft pick, potentially at the back part. But Brees I would Hall, bet huge money that he doesn't fall out around two. Humongous money. Yeah, There's just I, I don't see it happening. I bet my mortgage. Let's just put that on the line. I don't mm-hmm. think he's falling out around two. So mm-hmm. he's he's checking all the boxes. Size, production, speed, draft capital. I mean, that's what you want in a running back. Uh, I'm not with some of these people because there are some services out there, you know, doing the crazy talk. Would you rather have DeAndre Swift or Brees Hall? Or would you rather have Javante Williams or Brees Hall? Or would you rather have Najee Harris or Brees Hall? I like Brees a lot. That shouldn't be a conversation. And we kind of do this as a community of fantasy space every single year. Sometimes the rookies get a little too too much hype, right? But, hey, if people are talking about that in your league and people are falling in love with Brees, see if you can capitalize on it. I would be over the moon if I could send the leagues that I have, the one-on-one, straight up and go get DeAndre Swift or Javante or Najee Harris. Just here you go. Take the one-on-one. I'll take the running back. (laughs) You're going to talk the noise. Put your nuts on the table. Let's go. (laughs) Reese Hall. We say it's crazy, but I I do think there'd be some people out there that would at least consider and and probably press the button, man. Like, seriously. Yeah. There, There are a lot of them. I think it's. 
a lot of the keep trade cut crowd, but <laughs> we're not going to. We won't, we won't go too far down the rabbit hole tonight. All right, our, our consensus number two, Malik Willis. You talked about him. If you take Brees or Malik, we wouldn't fight you. I think they are tier one of this rookie class, pretty solidly. And depending on your team need right now, this is what I'm operating off. The information I know heading into our rookie drafts, where I'm going to be making these actual decisions. It's exactly what Adam was talking about. If you need a quarterback or that's more of the direction, fit your, your direction more, you want to take him first overall, go for it. I completely understand it. But he comes in at two for us, still in that tier one. Malik Willis, I think he's got everything that you kind of want in a fantasy quarterback, right? That Konami code that everybody's drooling over, massive arm, and I'm very positive in him getting the draft capital. Like I've seen some crazy things out there that Malik Willis isn't going top 10. That's nonsense. I'd, I'd put a wager on that one, too. This is where I wish I had the uh, the price picks, you know, promo code wake up. Hop on for those NFL draft props because I would love to be able uh, to put a, put a prop down, a bet down on some of these draft capital ones. because I'm A very lot of them, man. I wish I was with the wake up crew doing that, man, because there, there's going to be some money to be made. I can tell you right now. Dynasty Degenerates, if you're in a if you're in a state that lets you do it, man, hop on, hop in with Destination Debbie. They're gonna have you set up. We'll help you win the rookie drafts. They're gonna help you win the rookie drafts, and then go ahead and make some money while while you're in the process, man. It'll be fun. You might as well win some some basically some free money so you can put it down on more dynasty leagues. <laughs> you know, you can get that you can get that best ball league that's gonna draft before the NFL draft, like you've always been dreaming of. You can get six or seven of them. That's what they're going to help you do. Thoughts on Malik. How do you view him as a prospect? I mean, just some quick rapid-fire thoughts that you have on Malik. I think it's pretty solid that he's the first quarterback off the board in most leagues. Yeah, I mean, he. I think especially right now, we're talking drafting pre-NFL draft. He, he's going to be the first quarterback off the board, I believe. He seems to have solidified himself as a top 15 pick for sure. Recently, there's been a lot of buzz him going, you know, as early as two now. So I, I think he's going to be the first quarterback off the board in rookie drafts this weekend. Um, I also think that he offers the most rushing upside, I believe, in this class. And he's shown you in in the pro day, at least, that, man, he, he really can. Like, he's got it. He's got an arm. Like He could throw. He's got a fucking hose. Yeah. He has so, got a fucking hose. If you were, you know, unsure of that aspect, Mike, I mean, come on now. Dynasty Degenerates, go check it out. Man can throw it. Now, what he will do at the NFL level and how good he's going to be, I I can't tell you that. But I can tell you that I think if you if you were at two, and assuming Brees Hall went at one, I, I don't think it would be wise to do much other than Malik just because of even if you don't believe the draft capital and what he has as far as being a tantalizing prospect is going to be worth a lot in a trade. So I just don't think it'd be smart to do anything but him at two personally right now. I mean, I, I know there's probably going to be some discussion of, you know, Kenneth Walker maybe and some other things, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't kill you for that. But I, I just don't think it would be wise to do anything but Malik at two. I think it's a reasonable move that you could make, maybe taking Kenny Walker instead of Malik. Yeah. But like you said, I don't think it is the the most fine-tuned 
way to do your rookie draft. I, I get it if you have a giant portfolio, right? This will be the portfolio versus just independent, you know, s- small sample size leagues. If you have a giant portfolio, maybe you want to diversify if you have a lot of 102s and maybe go some more Kenny Walker than Malik. But I think the optimal way is what Adam was saying for those of you listening is to just take Malik and then you can kind of worry about filling your running back need later because I think Malik is going to command quite a bit of value back in return in a trade. So it's a good segue to lead us to our third prospect, our consensus third, Kenny Walker who some people, the buzz is starting to generate there out on the old interwebs about Kenny Walker maybe being RB1 over Brees Hall. It's it's kind of weird that the class sucked. Brees Hall was amazing. Brees Hall got instantly elevated. There's still some talk out there about Brees Hall, you know, maybe over Swift or Najee Harris. And it's, it's like the other part is 50% Brees Hall fatigue already. We haven't even gotten to the NFL draft because – now I'm starting to see some of the Kenny Walkers should be the RB1. The I Kenny love Kenny Walker, Walker. Skywalkers. <laughs> Skywalkers. I love Kenny Walker. Very dynamic rusher. Very explosive. He has that speed, that home run hitting ability, which I really value and like in a running back. Look good at the combine catching passes. What are your thoughts on Kenny Walker? He came in at number three for us, so we're both pretty high on him, just yeah. not as high as Brees Hall. Yeah, I think – and I think I think Kenny Walker, I love what I saw from him this year at Michigan State. But I think when he, I don't want to put too much stock into any one thing, any one specific category when I'm evaluating rookies, when we're evaluating rookies, right? But I think for me, the combine did move the needle a little bit for Kenny Walker. I think it had to. And Right now, with I think the skill set that he offers, he's shown you the athleticism that gives him some upside that not every running back has. And if he gets that round two draft capital, Mike, he he's going to be somebody that I don't know that I could have enough shares of Kenneth Walker at that point. Let's run a hypothetical scenario here, just in, in your mind. We're, okay. we're ranking him right now off of what we know. Yeah. But like we mentioned, the one thing we don't know, draft capital and landing spot. What if Kenneth Walker is the first running back off the board in the NFL draft? And it's to a premium landing spot. Let's say Buffalo. Okay. Kenny Walker goes to Buffalo. We talking Reece, we talking first round or second round? Let's say first round. First round. Ooh, pick, ooh. you know, at the the back end of back the first. Back end, yeah. Yep. Back end of the first. I think Buffalo might be picking like 29, 30, somewhere in there. Right. Buffalo, Kenny Walker, first round. That's where he ends up. Brees Hall goes at the top of the, let's just say back end of the second round to maybe a spot like Houston. Maybe Houston trades back up into the back half of the second round to take Brees Hall. Is that enough of a gap or a flip that you would adjust them in your rankings? You would flip-flop them. So so I, I would not flip-flop them. I, I do think it would be really good for Kenneth Walker to go first round to Buffalo. Like, I mean, that's 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 about as good as it gets for him. I would still take Brees ahead of him in that scenario. But I would say this, though, Mike. While I may not put Kenneth Walker ahead of him, I believe that 
there would be a lot of people that would. And I think that you would see a an actual debate start to happen in the the old school drafts, right? That are happening post yeah. NFL draft. And you would have a real debate as to who the one oh one is then. Like I think that could happen. I I personally though I, I'm not knocking I'm not knocking Brees out of that number one running back spot regardless of where he goes, honestly. I like it. I like it. I think I think it would be a lot closer in my mind if I was doing a draft after the NFL draft and that happened a lot yeah. closer. But I'm with you. I, I can't it's not enough of a gap for me to make that adjustment. Now if something crazy happened and Brees didn't go till the end of round three. Like, okay, maybe the NFL knows something that I don't know or I don't have that conviction. That That's a situation where it would be like, okay, I need to make an adjustment here because the NFL is clearly telling me something that I wasn't attuned to. But one of the benefits of doing these drafts pre-NFL draft is you don't have that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire situation. right? Going in, if, if the draft was a pre-NFL draft, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a lot of people's RB5, maybe RB6 in that range. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes in the first round to Kansas City, and now all of a sudden we're having discussions about should Clyde Edwards-Hilaire be the 101? Yeah. Consensus out there, there was a lot of people who made that mistake and jumped Clyde ahead of JT, jumped Clyde ahead of J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. They would like to have that one back for sure, right? There's At this point, I know that that conversation drew out if they'd like to have it back longer than it should have. But at this point now, there's no debate. But I'll I'll say this too, Mike. That same discussion, right? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going at one. See, I don't think that was a prospect that was really with the other group of elite running backs in that class. So that was really, that was really, really wild. The, The other thing too was in similar fashion, but in reverse, DeAndre Swift, by a lot of people's standards, was the running back one in the class as just a prospect coming out of Georgia. Certainly in the top two. You went to Detroit, Mike, and it's like there's CEH went to to KC. Jonathan Taylor went to Indianapolis. Dobbins went to Baltimore, even though they don't pass a lot. He's going to get so many carries. And then Cam Akers went to L.A., and it's like, there was some drafts out there. DeAndre Swift is going as RB four five. It's like, yeah, it's wild. Don't I think I think actually the the reason I wanted to get to all that though is Mike because at the position of running back, I think landing spot can be something that moves the needle a little bit, right? Like you could be excited about a landing spot. I wouldn't knock you for being excited about a landing spot, but I don't think you should drastically change where you have people based on where they go to play football and run at, at running back. If they have the correct draft capital, if they're a very good prospect, I think the rest of us, it will work itself out. And I wouldn't overdo what you are doing in your drafts based on just where they land. Now draft capital can change it, but where they land, I wouldn't do too much based on just that. Really for me, landing spot, landing spot, mm-hmm. just the spot, the team that they go to means Almost nothing. Like you mentioned, it is just a tiny percentage of what I value because situations change so fast. Deshaun Watson's a perfect example. All right. All the bullshit aside, the the suspension talk, whatever. 
if you were sitting on Donovan's Peoples Jones two weeks ago, it looks vastly different sitting on Donovan Peoples Jones today. Because situations change so fast, and you're like, holy shit, instead of Baker Mayfield throwing to the football, it might be Deshaun Watson. Oh man, this guy's got a little more value now, a little more juice. The Amari Cooper to Cleveland trade didn't seem as great when Baker Mayfield was throwing him the football. But all of a sudden, in a matter of a week, it's Sean Watson's here. Holy hell, Amari Cooper. Well, I might go back up my dynasty rankings. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Don't do it for rookies as well because situations can change. Yes, you can get a running back. Oh, they got a bad offensive line. You know, they, they don't score a lot of points. The thing can flip in a year. Same thing for wide receivers. We, we've seen it in the past with a guy like A.J. Brown. When he went to Tennessee, people shat all over it for the landing spot. In comes oh riding gosh. Tannehill. Now, all of a sudden, A.J. Brown's everybody's consensus top five at worst, I would say, for most people, dynasty wide receiver. It happens all the time, man. Situations can change. Don't put too much stock in the landing spot. This is another thing why I like to do these drafts. Pre-NFL draft just takes that part out of the equation. I'm solid on it. The one thing that can change quite a bit is the draft capital, like we mentioned. So a guy like Kenny Walker, back to the main point, Kenny Walker, Brees Hall, it has to be a pretty significant gap in draft capital for me to adjust it and change it. But the way it is right now, they're close. They could be a lot closer with the scenario, the hypothetical I laid out, and maybe get flipped if the draft capital doesn't match up. So we'll move on. Our four, we have a tie at four, Matt Corral and Isaiah Spiller. How are you feeling about these two prospects right now? Because there hasn't been a lot of buzz on them. Both of them, the community kind of seems split. More so with Matt Corral that the NFL, I'm I'm not seeing a lot of Matt Corral hype at the quarterback position yet. Um, So how are you feeling about it? I know Isaiah Spiller, we could talk to her blue in the face. Some people out there dunk it on him left and right. Other people are like, yeah, he's still my RB1 or he's my RB2 or whatever the case may be. Where are you at with these two prospects? Start with Matt Corral first. So so where I'm at is, I mean, we're going to go through. You're going to see exactly where I'm at with rankings. But where I'm at is I, I'm pretty bullish on both of these guys. I'll say that the difference, I think, in the way that they're being viewed in the community as a whole is I think that Matt Corral, while there's not a lot of excitement like I think there are some people that have been tuned in that really had Matt Corral as like up there and one of the first picks in this class. I think there are some, there still are some truthers. And I would say with Matt Corral, it seems that like even the ones that aren't excited, they're not going to let Matt Corral fall out of like 107, 108, 109, just because even though there's not a ton of buzz right now, everyone's pretty confident he's not going to fall out of the first round. Like that, that seems to be pretty locked in that he's going to be a first round quarterback. And ultimately that, that means you're going to have to draft him the top eight picks easily. I think the difference with him and Spiller is Spiller is, is there's a, there's a wider range of how people are viewing Spiller right now. Spiller has this, I think there are some people that, especially ones that are more heavily relying on film that really are big on Isaiah Spiller. I think what he possesses, his ability as a pass catcher, 
is really special given how big he is, how big of a running back he is. Like, and I know that people don't think he has the home run speed to take an 80 yard run to the house, but Mike, do we need that? Like, do, do we need that? Javante Williams doesn't really have that either. Javante Williams is being talked about by a lot of people right now as the next thing except JT. Like, I don't need Isaiah Spiller to run faster than Brees Hall for him to still offer a lot of value to my dynasty team. Maybe he doesn't take every run that's a 15, 20-yard run to the house, but it doesn't mean he can't pop off big runs still. So I think there's – but my point is there, there's a wider range where there are some people that, that – they don't even want to take Isaiah Spiller in the first round, man. Like, we, we just did – Mike, these are our patrons. These are people that listen to you and I yeah. and everything we put out and pay for it. And they let him fall to me at 112 just yesterday. That's crazy. So, so if, that, if that's the way, if that's where that is, you know there's people out there that are even lower on Isaiah Spiller. So I would say that's the big difference between the two in my estimation. But th- they both do have a little bit of a wide range of outcomes as far as how they're viewed in the community. I think for both of these, we're both kind of getting in the spot for us going into the drafts this weekend or anybody else out there. If you're having a draft this weekend or, you know, in the next couple weekends before the NFL draft, we're finally into that territory where at least for the quarterbacks and running backs, we're kind of unsure on draft capital, right? Not as solid, not feeling as great. Because I really don't know what Isaiah Spiller's draft capital is. I still would say that I'm like 60, 75% sure that he's getting day two draft capital at the worst. And I don't think he's falling to round four or round five. So at that case, I'm still like, yeah, I still like Isaiah Spiller. The film's good. The analytics are fine, right? They have to come within context. If you zoom too far in, you're focused on replacement running backs, yards per carry versus Isaiah Spillers at Texas A&M, you have zoomed way too far in. You have taken your your iPhone, your Android, and you've done that little motion with your fingers, and you are way too far in. You're looking at fucking moles. Stop, right? Like, zoom out. If, if you zoom all the way in on somebody, you're going to find some blemish, some mole, something that doesn't look good just do the uh, the opposite motion right like 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 pinch it down pinch your fingers down instead of going out pinch them down and then you might see that hey this is actually a photo of Kate Upton it looks good everybody likes that point is don't zone too far in on the analytics his film looks good he did it in the SEC I really don't care about his replacement running backs that gain more yards per carry or whatever the fuck the analytic is going around about there that doesn't matter to me it's a fun thing to talk about i guess fun thing to read interesting whatever but it really doesn't matter to me isaiah spiller i still like and matt corral i still think he's getting round one draft capital somewhere and i truly believe like if i had to had to predict it today i think malik matt corral and kenny pickett all of them go within the top 15 picks for sure all of them all three of them I feel I feel very confident about those three quarterbacks in this NFL draft. That's why I've I've said for a while, three quarterbacks in the first round of the NFL, it's a lock. Four is pretty possible in my mind, and five isn't crazy. Like if five happened, I would not be shocked. So 
Matt Corral, clearly QB2 for both of us off the board. I like him. Isaiah Spiller, I'm still in on him. I'm a little bit hesitant about the draft capital, but if he becomes a value, cool, great. If he falls to the 112 in my drafts, awesome. I'm over the moon. I'm excited as hell to make that pick. So, so Mike, let me ask you then before we pivot off of these two. What, where is your trigger point in the rookie draft? And then also, what do you think these players are worth in whether it's startup or future rookie picks? Like, where are you valuing them today going into your rookie draft? So we can help everybody listening, the Dynasty Degenerates tuning in on the 4D process of, of these rookies. For me, it would be Brees Hall. First off, probably that that mid to late second round pick and more towards the later side. Like I've seen some people ask if they should trade Brees Hall. Or technically, it's the, the 101. If they should trade the 101 this year for Trevor Lawrence in a Superflex league. And I'm like, you just have to give up the 101 for Trevor Lawrence? Oh, absolutely. Smash that shit all day. Like I yeah. love Brees Hall, but Trevor Lawrence should be going ahead of Brees Hall for me. If it's a super flex league, 100%. So not yeah. that high. And I've seen like Trevor Lawrence kind of in that mid-range of the second round, mid to back end. You know, some people still dunk it on him or whatever the case is. I'm a big Trevor Lawrence fan. I'd rather have Trevor Lawrence than Brees Hall. So that would put Brees Hall at that like back end of the second round in a startup for me. Uh, Malik Willis, early third. Early third, I think, is very reasonable for Malik Willis right now. Kenny Walker, I'd probably put him in the like mid to late third. And then Matt Corral, Isaiah Spiller, both of them, Kenny Pickett. If I can get him like anywhere in like the fourth round, you know, you know, yeah. some of these guys, we've done some drafts. You, you're getting Isaiah Spiller all day, every chance that you want at like the early part of the fifth round. And I know you're we've just done. you're reveling in the fact that I'm getting I'm getting a guy I love, a running back I love at the beginning part of the fifth round. Holy hell, hold me up. I'm gonna pass out. Hey, it, it, it you know, it's we got six pre-NFL draft rookie drafts, but we did two startups already. And given that I it was third round reversal and everyone's going to just let me have 112, I took it both spots. And both spots, 501. I'm sorry. Spiller goes no further. This is where the button gets pressed. 501, Isaiah Spiller. I, I fully agree with those, man. I think that, to me, Brees becomes a real conversation in the middle of the second. Um, I think that you're going to see him in some of these startups go earlier than that, but I, I think that's too, that's too much for me. And it's not that I don't love the prospect. It's not that I don't love what he could become. I just don't think that I can confidently put him ahead of 17, 18 players in Superflex right now, because like, there's a lot of players in Superflex in those top 18 spots that I I really, really like. So it's not like a knock on Brees Hall. It's just that I think that's where the conversation probably is going too far if you're taking Brees Hall too much ahead of that for me. Yeah, I like him too. But there's some some dope-ass running backs and there's some dope-ass young quarterbacks in super flex leagues that I just can't Yeah, I can't pass Kyle on. Pitts. Yeah. If you want to take Brees Hall over like the C.D. Lambs, the A.J. Browns, by all means. Like I will fully support you in that endeavor because RBs over wide receivers all the time. Let's go. 
I'm all aboard, but yeah, I I can't do it over just the way the drafts play out. Usually in that mid tier, there's still some cool running backs that I like. And usually it's that mid tier quarterbacks, the Lance, the fields, the Trevor Lawrence. I just, I'm not there yet to do it on Brees Hall. Uh, Realistically, I don't think I'll get there. Like I I tried to avoid all the the Twitter hype and the buzz. Like we, we slowly move people up on our ranks, our super flex ranks, our, our startup mindset of where we're going to be. But there inevitably comes a point where there is a community overreaction. And I'm, I'm not going to be a part of that. I think that's, that's setting yourself up for failure. So moving on, we did Matt Corral, Isaiah Spiller. We should have done Kenny Pickett. I'll kind of lump them in with those three guys. Matt Corral, Isaiah Spiller, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's another quarterback that I like pretty confident in the draft capital like i mentioned um i just don't have him over matt corral i think matt corral is just a is a more talented quarterback than kenny pickett not to not kenny pickett my biggest concern on matt corral was his size because of the style of play that he did but when he came in and he weighed in at, i think it was 215 pounds i was like okay well that that shit's done with <laughs> I was having concerns that Matt Corral might be like Kirk Cousins, you know, and be like 190, <laughs> 195, you know what I mean? And that yeah, yeah. kind of frail in the style of play that, that he had, I was I was concerned. But Matt Corral weighing in at 215, the talent's there, so I put him over it. But Kenny Pickett is a dope quarterback that I like. Any thoughts on Kenny Pickett for you? I'm 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 predicting he goes to Carolina in the top ten, but could be wrong. Things could change, but Kenny Pickett is All, all right. Well, before I get to your, your first question, let I'll, I'll go with the second thing you just said. If he goes to Carolina in the top 10, Mike, do you think there's a conversation with him ahead of those two we just talked about, Matt Corral and Isaiah Spiller? Maybe, but this is also where like landing spot doesn't matter to me too much because if I'm also predicting that Matt Corral goes in the top 10, right? Like kind of same mm-hmm. thing. I think Matt Corral yeah. may go may go before him, but I think he might just be just a little bit after. Matt Corral's going to end up in a situation like Seattle or he's going to end up in a situation like Atlanta. I like both of those sp- something like that, right? I like I like both of those spots as well, you know. Yeah. Matt, Matt Corral throwing to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Sign me up. I'm I'm in on that. Yeah. Or, you know, Matt Matt Corral throwing to Kyle Pitts and then whatever the hell else they do with some of the, the draft capital moving on from Matt Ryan. Whatever they do to, like, bring in another weapon, another wide receiver. Maybe next year Calvin Ridley's back and not bet on the NFL anymore. So maybe it'll be, you know, Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts and uh, Matt Corral. I'm good with that too. So, All right. so, so, so I think they're going to have very similar draft capital. Yeah. And the landing spot doesn't really shift it for me. So I'll, I'll still take the, the guy I think is slightly more talented than Kenny Pickett. I, I, I agree with you. I just wanted to see if that would, like, I, I do think that for the overwhelming majority, if Pickett went at six, I think you'll see him rise up where he gets drafted. And, and, the reason I really want to bring that up, though, Mike, is because we're talking about drafting pre-NFL rookie draft. And if Pickett, I think, is falling because of his his hands are too small. I mean, his, his hands have been this small since he played at Pitt the whole time. Yeah. His hands haven't changed. He didn't grow giant hands. Whether If Twitter wants to make you believe that because his hand measurement's a lot bigger, that his hands grew, 
you're uh, you're being fooled. I I got news for you, man. His hands are the same size. Like that that's not a overly big concern for me. And I think that what I want to get at though is if he falls too far, if he starts falling to 109 especially, Mike, and later, I think I would even consider trading up to go get him just because I don't think he's falling out of the top 15 picks, man. I think there's some discussions that need to be had about things like that. I think that is a great point. Something that I didn't think of until you just said it, man. Props to you. I love that. The fact if we're going to go into these rookie drafts this weekend, these are our rankings, right? doesn't mean that everybody's going to comply or are going to draft some of the things, right? We could see all these receivers go before some of these guys, the Corrals, the Pickett's, the Isaiah Spillers. For you, then, I'm fully with you. Like, if Kenny Pickett's falling to 108, 109, 110, I'm actively trying to trade up to get him. Would you do the same for Isaiah Spiller? You have that much conviction to move up if, if some of these receivers start going and Isaiah Spiller keeps getting pushed down, or is that a guy where you're just kind of waiting to see how far he goes? I would say the answer is yes, but ultimately for, for anybody that I'm trading up for though, Mike, it ultimately comes down to the cost to move up. Right. And, and this is, I think this is an interesting point. And Mike, you know, we already did a victory lap about this class. Our first episode was about the quarterbacks in this class. Right. But even still to this day, although that there's been a, a seismic rise in the value of these picks, I, I do think that one thing that's still going to happen is there's a lot of people because of how good 23 is still supposed to be. Once you get outside of those top like seven-ish picks, you're going to have a lot of people that want to trade back and trade out and trade into 23 or just 22 is not that good. This is where I move away from picks. So I think it becomes a good point to talk about where if someone's sitting at 109 and they don't really like anyone on the board and you have the opportunity to trade into that pick and it's not going to cost you much and there's people like Pickett or Spiller on the board still, especially later, 110, 111, 112. I, I mean, it's depending on what the cost is. Yes, absolutely. I would do that every single time. I think for me, just looking at it right now, Brees Hall, Malik Willis, Kenny Walker, Matt Corral, Isaiah Spiller, Kenny Pickett. All of those guys, if they were to fall to 108, 109, 110, as long as I know my first or the first I'm trading is not going to be likely early. to be early, yeah. I think it's probably in that mid to late range pretty solidly. Full set, man. I'll send it one for one right now. Ship it out. Done. I've said it before that I would trade my 23 first if I knew it was going to be mid to late, more on the late side. I would trade it for any top six pick. And this coincides. These are our rankings, one through six. And if they happen to fall in these drafts this weekend and somebody's not feeling it, which is another benefit of pre-NFL rookie drafts, the people who don't do their homework, maybe they don't feel the class. Maybe they don't know enough. They get hesitant. They don't want to commit. They don't want to do it. They're more likely to trade out of those picks. Hell, there might be a scenario where you could trade a 23 first, get the 109, and maybe get like a plus on top of it, right? Because of the way 23 picks are valued. Yeah. Maybe so go, yes. okay, ah, 
yeah, I guess I got to give you a third, right? Like this is how the values work. <laughs> 23 is such a good class. I got to give you a third on top of my 22 first. That's the way things can work. And that's a deal I would take all day. Yeah. Just give me any type of plus. I don't care what it is. Throw something in. Throw $10 in fab. And, and I would I do that, it straight up. And, and I think that's why this, this conversation um, needed to be had is that like, okay, you're, like I, I've I've got people that just won't go away. You know, I'm not fucking leaving. They, they keep trying to get me to take these late 22 first and some garbage, right? For my 23 first. Now I'm not doing that right now on spot because if the draft doesn't fall according to how I want it to, I, I don't. I wouldn't want to do that necessarily for George Pickens, let's say, or. Jahan Dotson or so, someone in that range. Like I, I wouldn't want to do that for that player. But if the if the board falls accordingly and it's Kenny Pickett or it's Isaiah Spiller, especially, yes, that, I, I'll, I would take that offer if you're putting those names at 109, 110, 111. Yes. But just blindly 111, I, I'm not doing that until I see what happens and unfolds in the, in the rookie draft. Yeah, I like that. Don't – that's not a move you make now until you have more information. Right. It's only a move I'd make now if I could trade into that top six. If exactly. I could trade exactly. into the top six right now, I, I don't, one through six, you pick a number. You Sight want my 23 first. My 23 first is, is, is what I likely believe is going to be late. Here you go. Take it. No questions asked. You can have it. Um, so, yeah, that wrapped up our top six. So the next group of players – We'll talk about Sam Howell real quick because he just kind of stands out there. He comes in at tied with Drake London for us at eight and a half composite rank. Sam Howell, love the kid, love the talent. People have heard it before. Those of you listening at home, you know how much I love Sam Howell. But I do have some serious question marks about his draft capital. And if Sam Howell goes into the second round, the third round, I don't feel as great about Sam Howell. Sam Howell goes in the first round, I feel really good about Sam Howell. And Adam and I have had this discussion. I like Kenny Pickett. If you could guarantee me today Sam Howell got round one draft capital, Sam Howell's above Kenny Pickett. Sam Howell is probably above Malik Willis, or uh, not Malik Willis, uh, Matt Corral for me. Not Malik Willis. Malik Willis has pretty much solidified himself. But if you tell me Sam Howell gets first round draft capital, Sam Howell's my QB2 off the board and would move way up my ranks. But because I don't know that and I still have some question marks, that's why he ranks where he does for me. Is it the same for you, Adam? Is he, is he, is he at 8, 9 in that range, 8, 9, 10 in that range because of the draft capital concerns? Yeah, I mean, I think I think for me, Sam Howell is this, man. He he is – how do I put this? He, he, he is certain to not be in that spot when the NFL draft happens. Like the one thing that's certain is he goes up or down in our rankings. If he falls out of round one, especially if he doesn't, if he's not drafted early round two, like the first few picks, he's going down for me. I'm just not as much as I like what he's done, who he is as a prospect. I I don't want to do that if he's a second round uh, quarterback. But if he's a first round quarterback, regardless of what pick and where he's going, Mike. I don't know if I'm quite there with you as far as quarterback too, but I'm with you as far as 
he, he moves up and he moves up ahead of guys regardless of what they do and where they get drafted. Like I, I still really like Sam Howe. I know there's a lot of people that think he's trash. I, I don't know how this happened that he's trash all of a sudden, but regardless of the narratives out there on him, I still like him as a prospect. So if he does get first round draft capital, I, I think I got to move him at least in the mix, if not ahead of Kenny Pickett and, and more towards that Matt Corral, Isaiah Spiller range personally. So the the one thing I'll say that's certain though, Mike, is that he will not be at eight when the NFL draft takes place. I had this conversation with Ray and some of the destination Debbie guys, some of the patrons, you know, just one of those crazy ass voice chats that we do, which if you're not a Love part those, of, man. Love if those. you're not a part of, I can't stress how much that is important. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. Come to the Heisman tier. Just just skip all the bullshit. Go right to the Heisman if you're not in there because the voice chat is just so good. Randomly during the week, we'll be in there for five, six hours just, just talking ideas. But one of the things that came up was about Sam Howell. And Ray asked, how would you feel about Sam Howell if you went in the early part of the second round? For me, he still moves down my ranks. Adam, I don't want him at 10. I don't want him at 11. I don't want him at 12. I'll start considering it in the early part of the second round of my rookie draft. But the reason behind that is if he goes in the early part of the second round, all 32 teams, everybody had an opportunity at pick 30, 31, 32 to trade up just a little bit, just a little bit and secure that fifth year option on him, which is massive. It says worlds to me about what they think about him as a quarterback prospect. So if you're not willing as an NFL team to trade up just a few picks to get that fifth-year option, which we've seen for so many guys, so many people at the quarterback position, tells me the NFL is not as convicted on you as they probably should be. I will still take you in the second round at some point when you become a value, but this talk of 108, 109, 110, it's done. You're down. As much as I'm running back – Running back, quarterback, you know, take those guys because they hold so much more value than the wide receivers. I'd rather have Jahan Dotson. I'd rather have George Pickens. Flat yeah. out. That's 100%. for me. So you are 100% correct when you say, come the NFL draft, Sam Howell is not in this position anymore. He's either up or he's down. There, there, There is no draft spot. There is no landing spot in which he stays at eight. So that's just – period. I love it. I love it. So Sam, how he came in at that spot for us, but we haven't talked about the wide receivers yet. We are, I guess, notorious wide receiver haters. So Traylon Burks, Drake London, Garrett Wilson. I think this is the tier one of wide receivers, these three guys. And I will not fight anybody on how you want to rank them. If Wilson's your one, cool. If London's your one, like me, welcome to the party. Or if Traylon's your one, Cool. It does not matter. I like all three of these guys. These guys are neck and neck, razor thin. In our ranks, when you look at them, Sam Howe just separates them. Just as, It's just a random in there. But these three guys are neck and neck. Adam, what is your preference on these three wide receivers? Who is your favorite? Who is your least favorite? Does it even really matter? I, I think personally, um, Mike, when, when I think about this one, I think Traylon was always a little bit overvalued earlier, a month or so ago, before the combine. And, and here's the thing to me, Mike. The combine, I think, only just made it a little more reasonable for how he's being valued. Like, 
to me, the combine didn't say that, oh, he's not fast or a great athlete. Like, his size adjusted speed score still puts him with A.J. Brown, who, who we've seen run away from everybody how many times? Yeah. Like, what what do you need? Like, st- stop. Please stop with the foolishness. I, I'm, I'm begging y'all, please stop. Traylon Burks is just fine. He is just fine. He's just no longer the wide receiver that's going to go first in Superflex rookie drafts. Okay? that That's all that is. Traylon Burks, if you still have him at one in the class, which I, I still probably, if was on the clock in a rookie draft, and all the guys ahead that we discussed were gone, and I have my pick of the litter, I still would probably take Traylon. But it's not by a large margin. I think for me, I prefer Traylon by a needle ahead of Garrett Wilson, who also by a needle ahead of Drake London, which to answer and kind of touch on the question you had, I'll take all three of these guys. And it's not by much that I that I value or differ on the, on the three. And especially because of the wide receiver position, which runs so deep, Mike, if I'm sitting in the 108, 109, 110 range, I actually feel really good about those picks because if if the here's the thing we just talked about how these quarterbacks are not being valued very high by a lot of people in the community. If that's the case, that's fine. I'll sit at 108, 109, 110, and, and I'll take what falls to me at one of those quarterbacks. I'll, I'll happily take them there. But if I'm in a league where they they value things more like you and I do, and the wide receivers go later. If you're telling me I'm guaranteed to get one of those three in 108, 109, 110, man, I'm I'm still loving life. So like that that's where I think those picks are really valuable, and it also is why I was bringing up earlier that depending on what starts to fall later in the first, if there's a guy you really like that's starting to fall, I think it's worth pinging those people, DMing them, and seeing what it would cost to go acquire this player that's falling because of bad narratives. I, I still like Traylon. I think you hit it on the head when you said that the combine just made it more reasonable on where you and I had always been valuing Traylon, right? When we first started doing rookie mocks, Traylon's going at the one one in super flex leagues, right? And there's all this talk about it. I love him. He, he's dope. He, he, he's exciting. He's awesome to watch. In a super flex draft, you're going to take him one on one. That shit was a little bit wild to me. So when he comes out, he doesn't have the combine where some people are projecting him like, oh, he's going to run like four three, or he's going to run a low four four, and he's going to be this uh, DK Metcalf freak. He doesn't do it, and some of this like Nikhil Harry bullshit starts creeping in. Like Traylon is still good at football. His tape still looks good. He still did it in the SEC, and he still hit 22 miles an hour on the GPS. Like he's just valued more appropriately now, where Adam and I had him all along, than what the hype was going in. So th- that's all the combine did. I, I don't, I don't hate the guy. I like to Josh and, you know, poke people like Gabe. Shout out Gabe if you're listening. You know he trades for Traylon. It was a bad trade regardless because he paid too much for a wide receiver anyways. But. I like to, you know, post the uh, the Rascore comps of Traylon and JJ Arcega Whiteside. You know, that always gets the juices flowing. So I just like to poke and prod game. It's fun. But Traylon's just fine. Traylon Wilson, Drake London, however you have him rank, wide receiver one, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But those are the elite tier of wide receivers in this class. 
And then we'll get to the last couple of guys just to round out the first round for us. We'll throw in one extra. We'll throw in the 201, just how we rank them. So we ranked them as a consensus. Next in line, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, and Jamison Williams. J-Mo coming in dead last out of that group of three that I just named is probably going to trigger some people, which is is crazy for us because we are big Jamison Williams fans. But hear us out. Those of you listening at home, unclench your fist just for a second and hear us out. Mike, 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 real quick before you do this, because I got my hand on this table right now. And if we were before the injury, Mike, pounding this table, pounding this table for this man, Jameson Williams. And and now it's like it, it kind of pains me to say that we're doing this, but it's the reality and it's the truth. That's where we're at. we are, where we are today. So go ahead, man. Take take it away. So George Pickens, dope. Jahan Dotson, dope. Jamison Williams, dope. I love all three of them. If Jamison Williams didn't tear his ACL, he is clearly at the top of this one. But the fact he tore his ACL and he did it so late in the scheme of football, the timeline of football, did it in the in the national championship game has to push him down versus George Pickens or Jahan Dotson, who are going to go into the season and be able to build hype, put things on wax, build some value because they're actually playing for the first few weeks. Well, we really don't know when JMO is going to get to play. Could it be week seven? Could it be week eight? When he comes back, could it be week nine? And then it takes him two, three, four weeks to finally like get into it coming off of an ACL tear. Absolutely. That whole time, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, wherever they end up, I think they're very good prospects. I don't think if Jamo was healthy, this isn't a question. We're not, we're not having this conversation. I, I would like Jamison Williams head and shoulders above these guys. But because he's not healthy – it drops him to the bottom part of this where I just have these question marks. George Pickens is nice. Jahan Dotson is nice. If they come out week one, week two, week three, they get a 100-yard game and two touchdowns or 150 yards or whatever the case may be for whatever team it may be, the Chiefs, the, the Packers, wherever the hell they're being mocked, they have a chance to increase in value. And when I'm doing my rookie drafts, that is the first thing in my mind is value play. So for me – I put George Pickens, Jahan Dotson above Jamison Williams. But, Adam, what say you on this subject? Yeah, I think – let me talk about George Pickens and how the, – the, I think the timing of the injury, Mike, is such a big thing. So the, the reason I want to talk about this is because when, when you talk about George Pickens – the timing of the injury and how he's coming along now allows him to build in in in, in training camp, in preseason, in, in the start of the NFL season. He's going to potentially be gaining steam. He's going to maybe put up some performances that allow his value to accrue and, and become more than what it is if you draft him 110, 111, 112. I, I think – the thing with Jamison Williams is the timing to the injury is where it's troublesome for me because based on where he tore the ACL in the bowl game and how his rehab and all that goes is, is still an unknown. 
and when he's actually able to come and play, we don't know that, right? We, we do not know when he's going to be on the football field. And then also, because it's an ACL tear, we, we don't know how long it's going to take him to actually start playing well. So, so let's say he, he comes back and he's playing football week seven, week eight, week nine. Let's say he comes out and he, he, he performs okay, but doesn't really flash, doesn't really have a big play, doesn't really have any, you know, multi-touchdown or even even touchdown games. His his value going into next year in startups, where you value him, where the community values him, is not going to be the first round rookie pick that you use on him. And so so while I love the player, and it's not a knock on Jamison Williams in any form as a player, it's the position runs so deep at wide receiver. He will not play probably for several weeks to start off the season. And then we don't know what he's going to put on wax in the back half of the season. The combination of those things, Mike, from a value perspective. So if you're listening to this dynasty degenerates, I hope you understand that it's not because I don't love Jameson Williams. Love Jameson Williams, man. Was so excited for him. It broke my heart when I saw him tear that, that ACL and, pretty gruesome looking injury in that game but those are the reasons why i cannot draft him ahead of george pickens or or john dotson who i also love out of penn state yeah for george pickens i mean comes out not even a full year removed because he did it in spring ball last year where he tore his acl but he got back on the field for the sec championship game got back on the field for the national championship game and even during the, the college football playoff Comes to the combine, less than a year removed from his ACL recovery. Runs a four four seven at six three one ninety five. Like I like that, and we've seen it from George Pickens his freshman year, sophomore year, right? We've seen the film. George Pickens is very good. Jahan Dotson, a little bit of hesitancy from from Jahan Dotson just because of being that four year guy. But when I watch him on tape, I see what he's done. I can't get over the whole. Deontay Johnson comp and it's Deontay Johnson with a little more speed because Jahan Dotson is a little bit faster. So I will take that. And like you had mentioned about Jamison Williams, the injury, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt his value, especially if he doesn't have like that kind of like Odell Beckham thing, you know, where Odell Beckham pulled his hamstring was out four games or five games or whatever it was. And then went on to have a historic rookie season like JMO has to do that to increase in value because if he comes out and he starts slow or he's just kind of below average, value-wise, the community will bury you. Devontae Smith set rookie records for the Eagles as a wide receiver. And his ADP is lower this year than it was last year. It just happens. That's the way the wide receiver's position is. It just yes. gets deeper and deeper every year. It's already yes. deep as shit. Next year, you're going to get, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba in here. You're going to get Kayshawn Boutte. You're going to get Rakeem Jarrett. You're going to get whoever the hell comes out. Mike, they're going to keep burying Jamison Williams. And the last thing people are going to think about when they go to the drafts is, oh, man, he kind of started slow. He didn't look great. I want the new hot thing. I want the new hot prospect coming out. That's going to happen every single Think about, Mike, think about this, too. Think about Rashad Bateman. Right. Similar case in point, And I still really love Rashad Bateman, but there's a lot of people that are not going to take him anywhere near 
the top seven rounds, no. which is basically where first round rookie hold value, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and this is a guy that has a much earlier breakout, much much more reasons that you may like him from what he did from an earlier age. So I'm just using this as an example of a guy that didn't play early, came out, performed okay, but didn't really wow you in any way. And now there's a, even people that were bullish, very bullish on him, Mike, now are very unsure and are not looking to be overexposed to Rashad Bateman. I think that's kind of the point we're trying to make here with Jamison Williams as far as just the timing of everything. Yeah, the the timing isn't great. The perception for what going to happen or could happen to his value is not great. You know, when I see people out there talking about in super flex drafts, they'd they'd love to take him at 108. Like you take him at 108, good for you, man, but you're gonna have to hold on to him because there's not gonna be a lot of suitors out there who are gonna pay you 108 prices or whoever you could have taken at the 108, what you could have extracted in value from that person for the entire year. So keep that in mind. If you love Jamison Williams and this is like you're running one dynasty league and this is all you want to do is just get guys that you absolutely love, go for it, man. Take Jamison Williams wherever you want. But the way Adam and I operate, bigger picture, long-term, value gain, value bump, try to separate yourself from the names, your feelings, get out of your feelings. We're not as in on Jamison Williams as a lot of people. I think that's a great spot to end it, though. We we covered 1 through 13, right? Rookies 1 through 13. We talked a little bit about our process, why we prefer to draft rookies before the NFL draft. If you want to draft them after still, I think, I think, I think you're missing out. I mean, you do however you want, but I think you're missing out. It's a lot of fun. And those are our rookies. And if you want anything more on rookies, right, we will kind of hit it as best we can, but we have full in-depth rookie rankings. We're constantly talking about it on our Discord. Come check us out, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. $1, get you in the door, get you the rankings, get you the Discord community. You can converse, talk with us, hit up some live stream, do some of these rookie mock drafts. We'd love to have you. But Adam, anything else you wanted to say to the Dynasty Degenerates tuning in at the end of well, by the time this comes out, won't it be April? Yeah, it probably will be April. Be April 1st. April Fool's for everybody. Anything you wanted to say at the beginning of April when people will listen to this? Well, you know, since this is going to be dropping on April 1st, you know, come come check out our Patreon. And you'll see it's free for, for the first day. Psych. But you can get it almost for free. Almost for free. Because almost. for a dollar... I challenge you to show me anything for a dollar you can get that's better than having access to this shit-ass community, this shithead community. Everybody in there is active. There's a lot of great conversations in there. For the $5 a month tier, we do team reviews. You can hop in videos with us Friday night. Mike will do some AMAs and and, and get drunk in front of you and (laughs) talk talk about life, too, which I don't know that you want to hear him talk about life for five bucks but hell he's gonna do it for you so if you're digging what we're doing here for d chess i strongly suggest go check it out just just do yourself a favor and check it out if not just remember when your league mates are playing chess 
play 40 chess. You almost forgot to mention DJ McNugget spinning the hits of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and today. That's going to do it for us. We are out of here. Peace.